Good morning. Wow, we have a we have like a Bay Area invasion. Right? San Leandro came in and invaded us, right, Malik? How are you, Malik? I'm glad you're here. I, I saw his hat. And uh, Malik, you want to show us your hat? It brought back memories. Look at that hat. No, no, no. You got to show it. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's where my roots are from. I was born there. From San Leandro, and we have the Haichus from Vallejo and the Bryans from Vallejo. So glad you're here. Um, and my cousin surprised me. She just rolled in. Just, you know, just a short nine, ten hour drive. <laughs> just surprised me. So I'm glad you're here. If you guys can stay, uh, we would love to eat with you because we just love to eat. Um, if you can't, we understand, but please understand there's a lot of food and uh, uh, we just like to fellowship and extend the fellowship. Today is Communion Sunday and uh, I was thinking of if I was going to preach a communion sermon, but I think the text is a communion sermon uh, of sorts. If you would turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We've been in the book of Ephesians now since we've started. Uh, we've been in the book of Ephesians and just kind of wading through. Turn to chapter 5, if you would. I remember I was, um, I was having coffee with one of the Marines here because we, um, we have a lot of Marines that we are getting in contact with, and I was having coffee, and I remember he said, Hey, man, I just, I'm kind of having, um, having problems with my uh, marriage. And I said, ah, you want to go to coffee? And we can talk about it. And uh, oftentimes this allows me, gives me a chance to share Christ and the gospel. And as we were there, he says, man, I'm having so many problems with my marriage. I said, why? Well, how, why are you having problems? Well, you know, because I'm not having enough me time. You know, I got to have my me time. And, uh, and so he was saying, you know, because, you know, everyone says you got to have me time. So you got to have me time. I want to come home. I just want to have time for me. And uh, I was kind of smirking. He's a young guy, just got married. I was kind of smirking because that's what the world tells you how to have a marriage. That's the signal how the marriage, uh, that's the signal that the world is telling you. You know, this is your time, this is her time, we're apart. But that is not how the scriptures teach it. Quite opposite to what songs will sing about, quite opposite to how sitcoms will teach about, quite opposite to how dramas and how movies dominate, and quite opposite to how books and novels will write about what love is. The Bible talks about this love that the world does not understand and that men are to rise up to. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says here, this is a famous text. Now, even as I read it, it is a piercing text. It ought to. It ought to challenge you men and uh this sermon is for all of you, but I'm speaking specifically to brothers, okay? This is for all of you. You can find application here, but the text is for brothers, so this is for brothers, okay? And it says here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, and that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would give us your light. We ask that you would give us your illumination of your word, that it would pierce our hearts and convict and fillet us, as it says in Hebrews, that it pierces to the very bone and marrow and that it would cause not just a, a thought pattern, but it would also cause us not just to think about it, but to repent and to run to the Savior to help us to love, to love as the church, as Christ loves the church. We pray that that would be our emulation, that would be our imitation, that would be our goal. We pray, Father, that you would help us in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. The verse, God gave these verses to brothers so that you would bring glory to Christ by loving your wife. It's a very, very clear thesis. God gave these verses to you, brother, brothers, so that you would bring glory to Christ by loving your wife. Now, as I'm addressing brothers, it has application everywhere. Now, for you single ladies, we have a lot of single ladies in this church. We have eight of them we're sending to uh, camp. And as they grow up, one such application is if, in fact, God would have you to marry, that this is the type of guy, this would be the guy at the forefront. Not the way he, the color of his hair is, not the way his eyes sparkle, not the way he writes his notes, but does he love Christ? Because if he loves Christ, he will love you. You single men, as you are growing in this, and, and as here's the application for you as you hear the text that you would be a guy who loves his wife as you're contemplating it. Make me a man who's going to love like this. Make me a man who's going to give up myself and love like this. And as you families are here together, wives, you can encourage your husband to love in this manner. Understand that it is a difficult uh, it is a difficult task because it's not just his own sin, but the world, but it's also this high, high calling of not loving better than his other Christian brother, not loving better than the pastor, but loving as Christ would love his church. And brothers, the application is very, very clear. Your standard is not simply what the world would tell you, what Oprah would tell you, what Dr. Phil would tell you, all the voices that speak into society, all the voices that distort what marriage is, God has outlined here. And now the portion that is spoken to you is this high, high, high uh, purpose for which you are to have your marriage. So how then... Will you do this? Well, 
we know that this is connected. We're not going to disconnect this from the spirit. He knows in Ephesians 5.18, he says here, do not get drunk with wine, but that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. And then he talks about all the relationships afterwards. From Ephesians 1, in the beginning, all the way through the different chapters, we know that God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. He has given us first, what? That we have been chosen before the foundation of the world. And that, that richness, that knowledge, that security that God has elected me and he loves me. And that I can go through this life knowing that whatever happens, my, his love for me is never going to change. That Jesus' blood was spilt for you. That he purchased you. That the Spirit himself has sealed your salvation. And now he gives these commands. But these aren't commands apart or divorced without power these aren't the commands that are told to you kind of like you know either shape up or ship out kind of commands but they are commands that are given empowered by the holy spirit he says be filled with the spirit and now as you walk forward with the blessings in your mind of being elected of being purchased of being sealed with the spirit and now you have this empowerment being filled with the Spirit. Now he says, if you are a man of God, if you are truly yielding to the Spirit, your marriage should be distinctly different. It should not be finding its calls from the world. It should not be taking its signals from the world. Following the pace of the world from relationship to relationship to relationship, which is just serial adultery. Even if they divorce, Continue, continue, continue. What God has called you is so much higher. So then how are you going to do this, brothers? We know we have the spirit, but there are objectives. See, men love objectives, don't you? I love objectives. Why? Because there's a goal and I want to hit it. Right? Men love that. That's why when we're at the target range, we always boast on how we hit the target. Yeah, I hit it. I hit it. We want objectives, and God doesn't leave you simply with this cloud and this fog of go love your wives and have a nice day. He actually outlines it, right? Now, there are two incredible objectives that a, a spirit-filled husband must embrace to bring glory to Christ in his marriage. This is the point, right? The point isn't just to have a good marriage. The point isn't to have a happy family, long life, then you die. Okay? The point is so much bigger than that. Your marriage, God brought you forward, and you will see this as you walk in Christ. He has given you this woman so that you would grow in the Lord and show the world what Christ does with his people. How? In your home. It's a very confusing thing when you say God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and you are not loving in the home. But it is a very, very powerful apologetic when the home is filled with love and there's an atmosphere of trust and there's an atmosphere of kindness and love and forgiveness and confession and repentance and reconciliation. That is distinctly different. And brothers, if you know the Lord, you have all these resources at your feet. God is calling you to love your wives, to glorify Christ in your marriage. So number one, what's the first 
objective, the first objective. The first objective here, brothers, embrace your high calling. Brothers, embrace your high calling. And he says this in verses 25 to 27, and I'm just going to read Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And so first in verses, verse 25a, we see the mandate, the mandate. Husbands, these are Christian men who have taken the covenant vow of marriage. Marriage defined by scripture is one man and one woman. And the scriptures teaches it. This is how it's always been. I don't care what the society is telling us. I don't care what laws are being passed. I am not making these rules up. God himself is. Man has tried to redefine it. And what he's saying here is husbands, these are Christian men who have taken the covenant vow of marriage. He's speaking to the Ephesian church. Men who have received all the spiritual blessings in Christ. And who now have the spirit and can take full advantage of the power which he makes available to his people. And now he calls these men to such a high calling that in order for them to accomplish it, they need supernatural help. Why? Because you're messed up. Okay? I'm messed up. No matter how godly I think I am. And just let this sink, brothers, Okay? No matter how godly you think you are, you're really not loving your wife as Christ loves the church. But it's a great target, isn't it? And there's forgiveness and there's the spirit and we can chase after that. Make this your mission, brothers, this high calling. How can I completely knock her socks off all the time? How can I show love to her? Now, it's a covenant. It's a promise. And then he says, husbands love. We know this term. I like this term. In Greek, there's different terms for the word love. Okay, It's translated love. Here, it's the agape love. And we talk about this constantly. But this agape love is love that commits irrespective of the object. Okay. So what God is calling husbands to do, we remember last week what god would called wives to do was to submit what god is calling husbands to do is no matter what she does no matter what happens i will commit myself to benefiting to treasuring to cherishing to loving this woman until i die <coughs> you see you can't i i i hate to say it but you see, the guys in MTV, you got the Justin Beavers, and you got, I don't even know who they are, right? <laughs> they don't know what love is. They're a bunch of jokes. They've never seen this love that doesn't care about whatever they receive, right? That cares simply for the woman because of what Christ has done for me. No matter what happens, this love is irrespective of the object. Husbands, love your wives. That's what God is saying, right? And it's a present active imperative. All that means is it's a command that you cannot escape. Okay. That in a marriage, you can't just, uh, and sadly, I've been in places where I'm counseling where they're married by name, married by title, and yet live in the same house, but do not share their lives. They say, you're going to do this, I'm going to do this, but you know what? 
our relationship is over. We're just staying married because the economy is bad, right? And these are marriages of convenience, but they aren't what God has designed, right? You're not supposed to live this way. And God calls men to this. And then he says here, your wives, and he uses that possessive term because there's a belonging that is right and correct, right? This is your woman. If you do not have a sense of belonging, you with her, she with you, there's something very wrong. God is designed such that you belong to each other. And so now, he says, husbands, love your wives. This love, since it's agape, is not qualified. Okay, so let's just put this away. I, I hear a lot of times, well, you don't know what she's doing, so how could I love her if she... It doesn't matter. God doesn't even have that excuse. Well, husbands, love your wives, except if she forgets to run the dishwasher because that irritates you so bad. Husbands, love your wives, except if the dinner's not hot when you get home. There's no exception clause, right? It's unqualified. God says, men, you are to love your wives, whether she loves you back. Whether or not she is kind to you. Whether or not she submits to you. Well, the Bible says she's supposed to submit. Yes, the Bible tells her she is to submit. The Bible doesn't tell you to make her submit, right? The Bible tells you to love. The Bible tells her to submit, right? It doesn't matter whether she sins against you. It doesn't matter whether or not she is a Christian. We can go to other texts to prove that, right? God says you must love her. You're called to a sacrificial love that does not depend if love is returned. You see, it's higher than her. You love your wife, but you do it because you love Christ. In fact, it really doesn't matter how she responds. Your directive is is not predicated on hers. And what the sad thing about it here, and here's the honorary guys that we are, okay? Here's the sad thing is, before marriage, we are the nicest, most sweetest guys. Right? Women don't say amen, because that's just going to discourage us, okay? Just give us this a little bit, okay? Don't say amen, right? <laughs> you know how to do this. Why? Because you won her heart before. And it seems like after marriage and after the kids, when it's difficult and everything, now it just becomes rote. It becomes same old, same old, right? Aren't we despicable that the time that we are the best to our wives is only right before we get married? That's really bad. That's not what God calls you to. He calls you to love your wife, to be challenged in this. Now, that's the mandate, but there is the model, verse 25b. Okay, There is the model. Now, here is where the relationship takes a whole different turn. That it is not simply, this is what you got to stop thinking. It's not, the marriage is not simply to de be designed just to stay together, the marriage is not simply be designed simply for companionship. 
the marriage is not simply designed simply to have kids or to hold the society, the fabric of society together. What God calls you to do is to image forth, to bring glory to, to act as a metaphor, a living and breathing metaphor of how Christ is with his church. And so he says, just as Christ also loved the church. See, the world's advice on how to keep a marriage together is good communication, is good honesty, and these are good components. But they don't carry. Here's what they don't carry. They don't carry the authority. You want my marriage to be better? Well, how do I know I can trust you? How do I know I can trust you? And they don't carry the model. In other words, you want my marriage to be better, but what is a good model for me to follow? You have these ideas, but you have no model. What's weird is with all the psychobabble, they say, well, you know, as long as both of you are happy and you can do whatever you want, that's hogwashed. God has called us to something much, much higher. And Christ and the church, he gives us the authority of how we are to live our lives, and he gives us the model. If you're ever lost in a situation of how to be towards your wife, if you ever forget, or if you don't think how the application works, you think about how the Savior is with the church, and you have your answer. What gives most glory to Christ and what shows most love and benefit for my wife? And there's your answer. There's the model. Now, the Christian is called to a much higher standard. It's not simply honesty with dealings or communications or date nights, although those are good applications of this. Your mission, brothers, is to reflect the glory the majesty, the wonder, the sacrifice, the devotion, the generosity, the loyalty of Christ as he loves his church. The world does not know this love, does not understand this love. Now, now what he does, because you'll never outlove Christ, let me tell you this. He gives the ultimate apex of love. The ultimate exhibit of love. Not what the world gives, but the ultimate display of what truly means. And he uses verse 25b. He says, he loved her, and then it says what? And he gave himself up for now, we read these words, and we, we go a little bit too fast. Okay. But you notice here, the way God operates and the way love, true love operates, is that when love is expressed, there is a laying down of self. Okay, follow. For God so loved... For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, now, notice, here's a connection, okay? When God loves, it isn't simply just word. When God loves, it isn't simply just lip service. When God loves, he proves it by giving. And the greatest gift he can give is his own son. And the greatest possession of that is his son's own life. And so as he pours that out, you know and you are convinced of that love, right? But you notice here, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 2, here's another connection, okay? Verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. And here it is, okay? Love is connected again to sacrificially giving of self. You, and gave himself up for us, an, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Okay, so as we are getting, understanding that now, we see that the connection of love must be a laying down forth of self. Okay? If you say you love someone and you don't lay down yourself, Bible is saying you don't really love. Why? Because the greatest apex of love is Christ himself, lying, giving himself up. Now, here's the thing. Okay? How did he give himself up? How did Christ give himself up? He died on the cross. Okay. Now we bring it back to brothers. Brothers. How will you display love in your marriage? How will you show the world what love looks like? Okay. You will die to your wives. You will die to them. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't sign up for that, right? That's too intense. No, no, you got to understand here. What Paul is saying by the Holy Spirit is saying, if in fact you are married, God is calling you just by virtue of being married to this high, high objective of what? Dying. Giving up of yourself. You see, um, I remember when uh, I'm st I was still learning in my marriage, and it just much to my folly, as, as I was uh, back home studying to be in ministry. I had ministry. I was studying. I was doing home groups. And as busy as I was, I was never, I didn't really have time for Jeanette anymore. I wasn't willing to give up anything. Right? Until one day I was in a John Carson who went to be with the Lord. He was my biblical counseling pastor and he said, what difference does it make? In class, I, I started weeping in class. He says, what difference does it make 
if you get an A in Greek and an A in Hebrew and an F in marriage. The, and then he said some other words. He said, the Bible doesn't tell you to go to seminary, Angela. Where does it say? Oh. The Bible never said that. But the Bible says in very black and white letters, what? Husbands, love your wives. You're doing something for that is not clearly said. You're giving that up for something that is clearly said. So I had to rearrange my life. Rearrange my priorities. Why? Because if you don't give up for your wife, you, you're really just saying words, guys. Can I just say that? You're just speaking words. If you really love, you will give up of your money. You will lavish your wife. Doesn't Christ lavish you? Didn't he lavish you with love? Lavish you with all your... Uh, I mean, think about this, okay? We're singing, how kind and gracious is the Lord. And that's how we are to be. We're going to see in later in the text. Are you like that? How kind and gracious are you, Angelo? How kind and gracious are you, Cameron and Andre and Mike? How kind and gracious are you like that? Do you give up of your money? Do you give up of your time? Do you give up of your life? Do you give up of your schedule for her? When you want to buy something, it's done, right? When she wants to buy something, there's no money. When you want to do something, it's done. When she wants to do something, there's no time. When you want something accomplished, it's done. When she wants something done around the house, you have this honey-do list that's about 50 meters long. You're selfish, brothers. You're selfish. I'm selfish. I want to get what I want to get done. I want to do what I want to do. God called you to give it up. To die. Now, so I remember one preacher said, he was having problems in his, uh, he was talking to a guy who was having problems in his marriage, and he said, you don't know how my wife is treating me. And he, the preacher said, well, the Bible says to love your wives, just as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. But she's killing me. You don't understand. She's killing me. And then the preacher said, well, you asked to be like Christ, right? <laughs> right? This is your opportunity. Guys, I remember when I grew up, I never saw families like this where the husbands love their wives as Christ loves the church, where the wives submitted to their husbands. I didn't know this until I was discipled, until I was invited into a home. And I saw a family that actually loved each other, a family that was whole, a family where the father didn't run away, a family where the husband stood in the gap. Christ can give you the power. You feel tired? Christ can give you the power. You feel like you're beat up? Christ can give you the power to love like Christ loves the church. Yes, he can. It's glorious. It's magnificent. 
lie to her. You don't have to tell people about it. You just got to do it in the home. Why? Why is it in the home? Because we know that whatever your lips say outside of the home cannot be validated unless it's true in the house. You cannot fake in the house. You want to try that? Your kids know. Your wife knows. They know everything, no matter what you say when we gather in church. And so God says, what? If this is your theology, this ought to shape your life. Amen? Or we're just hypocrites. Now, do we fail? Women, please, again, don't say amen. Do we fail? Yeah, we do. But what do you need to do? Repent. Confess. Repent. And that, what that means is I, I, I confess to you. I won't do it again, but you did this. No, that's not what it means, okay? I did this because you did this. That's not confession, and that's not repentance, right? How about just owning it, saying I'm a sinner, and I need God's grace, and I want to love you more, right? Now, so there we have the mandate, the model, now the means, okay? Now... We see how Christ loves the church. And then he says, well, how in fact does Christ love the church? He died for the church and also that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. This is true love. Okay, True love is doing what God would have best for your wife. Uh, that is outlined in scripture. Okay? True love will do what is best. That he might sanctify her, that means to separate her. And having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. This is how Christ, he first regenerates and then he sanctifies. That means he changes her, he cleanses her. But what is happening here is that the Savior has an integral part in the spiritual growth of the church. Okay? The Savior is right there feeding, replenishing, washing with the word of God application back up now we like it when it's just with christ but then now there's application for us because that give puts us in the hot seat okay but here it is okay god is calling you men here is the display of love okay to die for your wives but to be a constant encouragement and nourishment with the word of god This means you've got to know this, brothers. You've got to learn this. She, your, con, your concern ought to be her spiritual growth. Okay? Your concern would be what would be best for her soul as she pursues Christ. That is true love. Okay? That's true love. What is best for her spiritually? Now, I... I think that there are some good applications. Do you shepherd your wife in the word? Do you have times together where you're praying or read the word together? Why? Because the Savior does that, right? The Savior does it with his bride. Do you do that with your wife? Do you turn to the word for answers? Do you allow? Here's, here's one, okay? Especially for moms with small kids. 
Husbands, I'm calling you this, calling you to this, okay? Listen, listen, okay? Do you allow your wife to have undistracted times to hear preaching? Do you allow your wife to have undistracted times to be in the word of God? Why don't you hold the baby this time so your wife can hear the word? There are sometimes, you know, uh, uh, back home, guys were so oblivious. Mom is, we, we are hearing preaching. We hear the word of God. We're fellowshipping with our guy friends and we're having a great time. And we're full with Christ. Meanwhile, mom is there with three kids and a baby and barely heard anything and is about to cry and rip her hair out. You get in the car. Okay, this, is, this happened to me too. I'm telling you, this is a true story, okay? Get in the car, driving home. Honey, wasn't that such a great sermon? Weren't you encouraged? She says, I didn't even hear one thing. And she's about, she's like a bruised reed, ready to be broken. Here's an application, brothers. Do you allow your wives to get in the word, to hear preaching undistracted, to, and this is why, uh, and I, I just want to tell you, this is how, this is why we have application for this, okay? Because I know moms, they're with the kids all the time. They just, I mean, sometimes they just hide in the bathroom. Right? We have four blessed children, blessed children, who always have questions all the time. All the time, okay? About the universe, about theology, about anything, right? All the time. Can you make a shelter? Can you be the shelter where you protect your wife to spend time in the work? Do you say, hey, I'm going to watch the kids. Go to this woman's study. Go get fed. Come back. I tell you what. If you do that, if you prioritize her growth, if you do that and you guard that, your marriage would be so blessed. You would be serving her. Duh. What a novelty. I'm serving my wife. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when we were on the mission field, and uh, my wife would lead the Seminary Wives Fellowship. And this was a novel concept. It's right here in Scripture, but it was a novel concept, right? And they, were, they would say, uh, uh, we would say we're having a women's meeting, and they would say, Sir, sir. Uh, um, then, these are the fathers, okay? If they have a women's meeting, who will watch the kids? And I, s <laughs> and I smiled. I said, you will. <laughs> and then they looked at me. I said, I said, you will watch the kids so that your wife can be in the word, right? And they said, What? <laughs> but you don't know them. <laughs> I've got three of them. You don't know. Yes, you will watch the kids and serve your wives. But I've never done this. Then you will learn by God's grace, and I will pray for you. I will pray for you. 
And it's, it's neat to see how God's word, because when, they, when they're confronted with the word of God, if you're a believer and, and, and you're soft and pliable, you can't fight this. You can't fight it. You know Jesus loves the church. You know you're called to do this. And as they, as they grow in this, it's just really neat because uh, at the end of the year, they go, Sir, sir, I'm watching my kids. I'm watching my kids. <laughs> and my wife and I crack up because we see how the word of God is slowly changing their lives, right? But husbands, brothers, maybe if your wife is too involved with other things, maybe you could encourage her to curb some of that so that she can go to a Bible study, so that she can be in the Word of God. Maybe she's so far involved with other, it could be groups, or societies, or sports, maybe you could encourage them. I remember there's one couple when we were in um, back home, a lot of times uh, we would, I would talk, I was very concerned with the growth of this couple. Uh, they were so um, spotty on coming to home group. And home group is so important to be in fellowship with other women, but within the word and everything like that. And they were so spotty. And every time I asked them, what would happen is they would run themselves ragged, try and squeeze everything in on a Thursday night. We met on Thursdays, right? That by the time it was time for home fellowship group, they had no more energy left. And they just said, well, this is just the way it is. And I pulled the guy aside and I said, no, you need to shepherd your wife to not do so much on Thursday so that she could reserve herself for the word of God. It takes energy. And he goes, oh, I never thought of that. Duh! <laughs> Sanctify her by the word. Sanctify her. Care for her growth, not just your own brothers, right? Amen? Amen. Now, so that we have the means, and now we have the motive, it says here, um, the motive, the motive, that he might present himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. See, God is doing something with the local church, with the, in, with the worldwide church. He has saved people, and he is bringing them to maturity. And I want to go back to that verse that Mike shared. The reason why we read in Revelation 19, this is where we're headed, okay? Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. This is how he loves. He loves his bride. He loves his bride. Notice he says here, let us rejoice, verse 7, 19, verse 7, and be, be glad and give the glory to him. Notice he says, for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper. Brothers and sisters, I love weddings. Do you love weddings? I love weddings. One of my favorite things to do in a wedding is when, uh, you know, how I like the anticipation. 
when you hear the processional music and then the doors open and then the bride is seen in all her glory and she is beautiful and dressed up and the dress, oh, it's just beautiful, right? But I love to turn around and look at the guy, right? Sometimes, sometimes you get to see it, right? The guy is weeping. Because he's waited for so long. He's waited to be with her. Right? They've prepared for this day. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. The Lord Jesus Christ longs for the day when he will be with his bride forever and ever and ever. And here is the feast. So what you have to see beyond just, I, I call it this hamster wheel where you, Go to work, go to Costco, go to church, go to work, Costco, church, work, <laughs> Costco, church, work, Costco, church. It's that hamster wheel of, of mere, not living, existence, right? Your life is so much more than that. This is the future, Revelation 19, okay? And in the now, God has called you to show forth as a light, as a beacon to your neighbors, to your friends, to the sports clubs you're part of, to the societies, to the gyms, to the wherever, to show forth what God does in a family that is gripped by Christ so that they would glorify God. It grips people's souls, changes them. Now, here's some brave homework, brothers. I got you some brave homework. Okay. Some brave homework. All right, you guys ready? This is piercing. Go home. Hold your wife's hand and say, do you feel like I'm loving you as Christ loves the church? And if you desire to grow, because she'll say no, okay? If you desire to grow, <laughs> if you desire to grow, ask her for three, because if you ask her for ten, you're not going to get anywhere, okay? You need an objective. You go, how can I love you? What are three ways I can love you more? What are three ways that I can change? What areas that do I need to change that would show Christ, glorify Christ more? It could be something very simple too. How about doing something I like for a change? That would be something very simple. How about get me those things you promised to get me? That's very, very simple. How can I help you to grow more? Now, embrace this high calling. Embrace this high calling, but also embrace your unique calling. And uh, because we have communion, I think I want to um, just kind of go through this a little bit faster. But 
embrace your unique calling. It says here, verses 28 to 33, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. We know that in order for you to do this, you have to be understanding. Just as you understand yourself, you have to yearn to understand your wife. You have to anticipate her needs. You have to anticipate what she's going to ask for. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The world tells you, man, you can't understand women. Can't understand them. There is no way you could understand them. The Bible says you better understand them and make your wife your study. So this is your unique call. It is your wife. Each, each marriage is going to be uniquely different. And it is your challenge, brothers, to show how you could love, how you could love your wife and how you could display Christ in your unique situation. Sometimes there's health concerns. Sometimes there's severe food allergies. Sometimes there's um, uh, even impairment. Sometimes there's a bad past that she came out of. And you have to nourish her and bring her to strength through that. Sometimes there's all these different difficulties. Sometimes there's awful, awful um, parents or backgrounds that she's come from. And you've got to learn how to display love in there. That is your unique assignment. And God, if you haven't figured it out yet, God has uniquely given your wife where there will be friction points exactly where you need to grow. Those friction points are there for your growth to become more Christ-like. Husbands, love your own wives, right? So you've got to be understanding, and you've got to grow in this, okay? You've got to learn. I'm still learning things about my wife every day. I never knew that about you. I didn't know you like it that way. I didn't know you wanted to do that. I didn't know this was on your heart. Uh, she surprised me the other day. She bought, uh, she bought some frame uh, with an ugly painting on it. And she goes, I just bought it because I wanted the frame and the canvas. I'm going to paint right over it. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, right? Let's see. I, and I said, okay, I'd never seen you paint before. I'd never seen her paint, right? So I went to go do, do some errands. I came back. She painted this beautiful sunset and everything right on top of it. And she says, can you hang this? And I said, what, 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 what is, where did you learn that? <laughs> right? And so now I just don't trust myself about design in the house. I just don't do it. I'm kind of colorblind too, right? <laughs> I just say, you know what? I trust your judgment. Let's see what happens, okay? Let's see what happens. Why? Because I'm, and now that teaches me that I still have to study. You got to be an expert, Expert, Eugene and Leilani. Dan, an expert in Amanda. PhD. Manny, PhD in Rena. Understand her. Know her. Such that you, uh, you know what she's thinking. Right? Be understanding. Secondly, you have to be tender. It says here, he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh. That's the obvious. In, and it uses two terms. But nourishes to bring up. That is to feed, provide for. That means financially, medically, physically, spiritually. And cherishes it. I love that term. Cherish means to comfort. 
to impart warmth, heat, tenderly care. So it's not just the fact, see, guys think this way. This is how guys think, okay? We have a job, we're going to do it. The boss tells us what to do, okay? We think as long as we get the job done, it's good, right? Here, what God is saying to you is that's not enough. It's not just you getting the job done. It's how you do it. And the way you're supposed to do it is with tenderness. I love having daughters for this reason, right? Because they could detect any tone in my voice. And sometimes it teaches me that I need to change the tone of my voice. Why? Because sometimes it doesn't come out kind. And so the Bible tells me this is how I'm supposed to love by being tender and cherishing. It's not just what you say. It's actually how you say it. And if you refuse this, brothers, you are refusing a direct order from God. God calls you to be tender. It's not feminine to be tender. You don't lose your masculinity to be tender. Christ was the most tender of all men, the most gentle of all men, the most meek, but the most powerful. Remember in Revelation, he's coming back on a horse with King of Kings, Lord of Lords on his thigh, right? But he is tender. And then it says, be focused. Uh, I'd like to expand on this. It says, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother. In order for you to rightly love your wife, brothers, you have to. It says here, and shall, cleave, uh, shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. In order for you to rightly love your wife, you have to leave. You've got to leave mom and dad. You've got to do this. And I know in cultures, especially Asian or Hispanic, uh, in our cultures, we are so tied with our family. La familia, right? We're so connected. But what happens is, yes, we are to maintain those relationships. But when you are married, now there's a different focus. And God says for you to rightly love your wife, you've got to be physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and domestically independent okay they can have their advice but they they do not dictate the orders of the marriage they do not dictate the orders of how you raise your kids god does and you god has his god has his way of showing you through his scriptures and it's a wonderful adventure for you guys to do this by yourselves it's a wonderful adventure but god calls you to be focused and then it says be mindful that i am speaking in reference to christ and the church and he repeats, nevertheless, let each individual among you love his own wife as themselves. So what are you to do? Brothers, let me encourage you, okay? If you fail, just ask for forgiveness and repent. And go on. But brothers, embrace. How are you going to glorify Christ in your, in your marriage? Embrace your high calling and embrace your unique calling, okay? And by this, you will mirror to the world what a whole loving family is that is, has bowed the knee to Christ. But it starts with you, men. Father, we are so grateful for this text. And we are grateful that you have shown us what it means to love. Oh, help us, men. Help us to love. Teach us to love. Cause us to be more loving, more kind, more generous. Forgive us of our sin. 
Lord, we pray that you would give us strong marriages, strong families, so that the world will see what Christ does to a family. He changes them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.